Is America's primary system working? Is the Electoral College still the best process for electing a president? Could a third-party candidate ever be successful? In a new season of You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen gather the country's top experts to explore these issues and more as we approach the 2024 presidential election. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available now wherever you get your podcasts. Ah, the sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love, all at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Scumbags! Rage! Sports Rage with Gabe Morency. Rage all you want. Level two. This is Portridge. I am Gable Branch. The pimps, the players, the hustlers, the people that bust them, and everybody else in between. Dubsy will step up and in. We'll get into a little golf talk here. A little uh, head start on the British Open. Of course, the Ranger Redhead, Cam Stewart, will be with us later in the week. But there's craziness on the diamond, man, uh, right now. I'm really fascinated, and it's going to be a great, great final couple of months to the Major League Baseball regular season. And, you know, I wasn't a fan of adding all these new playoff spots and all this. And they really did. They added one more in each, in each, you know, in each league, in the American League and the National League. Uh, the, the owners wanted to add two more. The players said, all right, put one more team in here. But let's not get carried away uh, with this. But what I am, I am, it's going to be a great end of the season. What I like about this, though, is... We've got a lot of new teams and fresh blood in this, teams that haven't been good for a long time that actually have a chance right now, like the Baltimore Orioles. This is crazy. Now, Baltimore probably are not going to make the playoffs when it's all said and done. It's a nice run that they're on right now. I mean, they've won eight in a row, so are they going to be able to continue to play at this level? Probably not. No, right? But, man, what a run that these guys are on. And the... The Baltimore Orioles, these guys, their eight-game win streak, to put it into context, they, the Baltimore Orioles hadn't had an eight-game win streak in the same year since 2005. All right? Since 2005. Every other team in Major League Baseball has had multiple eight-game single-season win streaks since the start of 2006 with the Yankees leading the way with 16. Like, as we talk about, we say this all the time about baseball. Like, you know, even bad teams are going to go on a run and stuff, and everyone's going to have a streak here and there, but Baltimore did not. Eight games in a single season. I guess they had a carryover once before. But uh, so Baltimore won eight in a row for the first time in a single season since 2005. They're two games out of a wild card right now. Two games out of a wild card. Like, wow. Like, honestly, if you would have told anyone this before, you know, the season started, yeah, like, yeah, July July 10th, the Orioles will be two games out of the playoffs. If you recall, we told you, and we're not always right about everything that we, uh, that we say. Unfortunately, we gave you Max Verstappen to win the race today, and he didn't. He finished in second place. Uh, but if you recall, it was when, um, it was about a month ago, the Baltimore Orioles played the Toronto Blue Jays. And I watched every game of the series. And um, Toronto, I think, took two or three or three or four, whatever. Like, But maybe it was two or three. Anyways, but Baltimore were battling, man. And, and I was actually, I think Baltimore actually took two or three. Because it was like Toronto always beat up Baltimore over the years. And then they played. I was like, you know, this team is good. Like, I was watching this team. I was watching the team play. And then I watched them the next day again. And then just play after play after play that they were making. And I, I said on the show, I said to Cam when they were playing, I, they came on. I said, you know, I tell you what, this Baltimore team, they, they don't suck. Like if they got some pitching, 
they, they can do some damage, this team. And suddenly they are, and they are doing damage. Let's roll. Sunday, bloody Sunday, the late night anger management class. This is Sports Rage. I am Gabriel Brentsy. The pimps, the players, the hustlers, the people of Boston, but everybody else in between. There's a lot of stuff to unpack. Countdown to kickoff is on right now. College football, preseason football, NFL football all around the corner. And can't get here, um, can't get here soon enough. What is it? Uh, we're officially right now. So we're into 60 days. It's exactly 60 days right now. 60 days from now, the Buffalo Bills will be playing the Los Angeles Rams in the National Football League uh, season opener. But uh, the, the Hall of Fame game is around the corner. College football rapidly approaching as well. The British Open is rapidly approaching. Dubsy, Andrew Anderson is going to step up and in. Former PGA and LPGA caddy now on the grid. Uh, we'll get into uh, the British Open. Recap what happened over the weekend a little bit, but nothing wrong with a major uh, championship. Rory McIlroy is the favorite at nine to one. John Rahm is fourteen to one. I like Xander Shoffley. If you guys remember, I said last week, I said I don't often give a pick ahead of the curve, but I said I like Xander Shoffley in, in the open. Except then Xander, he was twenty-five to one, and you remember Dubsy said, "Oh, great pick, love it at twenty-five to one." Well, he's not twenty-five to one anymore. He's fourteen to one right now after getting it done in Scotland. So uh, Shoffley is uh, fourteen to one. Jordan Spieth is sixteen to one. Scotty Scheffler is sixteen to one. Matthew Fitzpatrick is eighteen uh, to one. F1. You know, listen, we love F1. I've got F1 fever. One thing I don't like about F1 is all these races, man, at like 6, 7 in the morning and stuff, West Coast time. It's brutal. And it's also brutal when you load up and you load up and uh, lay it down on Max Verstappen to win this race. Charles Leclerc gets it done. And listen, I like Verstappen, but there's money to be made in Formula One, guys. Because there was such a big drop-off with the odds after Verstappen that even me, I was thinking, I was like, man, you hammer Verstappen, but you sprinkle on the Ferrari guys. The Ferrari, listen, Team Ferrari's on a roll right now. Their cars are fast. They just have bad luck, and they always just sort of make the wrong decision somehow in the garage. But they're a dangerous team. We got a race. We got a championship chase. Let's roll. Dubsy joins us next. Bring it. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. You might be right. It's simple, but something you almost never hear in politics today, with each side more concerned about scoring political points than solving problems. I'm Bill Haslam, a Republican. And I'm Phil Bredesen, a Democrat. We're former Tennessee governors, and we invite you to listen to our podcast, You Might Be Right. Join us and guests like Al Gore, Paul Ryan, Judy Woodruff, as we take on important issues facing our country. Listen and subscribe to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee. Ah, the sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. You're listening to Sports Rage Late Night with Gabe Marissi. Good let's roll. Level 2 continues. This is Sports Rage. I am Gabe Marissi. The pistol players, the hustlers, the people that bust them, and everybody else in between. We're throwing it down. SoCal style. 
Dubsy stepping up and in the muddier 1090 ESPN radio, the 50,000 watt juggernaut up and down the coast, the loudest station in the nation. We're kicking it. Dubsy joins us from Los Angeles. Countdown to the open is on. And Dubsy, I was just telling uh, everybody a couple of minutes ago, remember last week I told you, I said, I'm looking at Xander Shoffley going into the open at 25 to 1. But then the son of a bitch goes and wins the Scottish Open. He's now 14 to 1, Dubsy. Thanks for joining us in the late night hours. How you doing tonight, my man? I'm doing good, brother. And look, you called it, mate. On, on Friday night, you said get a slice of him. He looked very impressive, and he went and got it done. And, and look, that's now back-to-back wins on the PGA Tour. He won the Pro-Am on Monday, Tuesday, the JPB Manor. So this is as hot a golfer as you can find uh, in the world right now. And look, what are we looking for at the Open Championship? You want a chess player. That is what Lynx Golf is all about. Maybe Xander Shoffley, you know, with his seventh win on the PGA Tour, he's finally found that killer instinct. I mean, we've been bagging on him, but, you know, somehow he escaped with a victory, uh, you know, at the Travelers Championship a month ago. He now backs it up for this one. So very impressive stuff. It was a tough golf course. Conditions were super tough. A couple of big names didn't even make it through the weekend. But, again, we've lost that number on the X-Men. Marenzi called it. The mayor called it on Friday. Listen to the mayor, baby. Well, we'll see. Well, now we'll see if we can get it done, but we, we've kind of lost that uh, that value here. And the poor Barbasol this week, huh? This one really flew out of the radar, didn't it? <laughs> it's, mate, and this, this is my thing with, like, live golf going on, the PGA Tour, the DP World Tour. There's too much golf for NC. Like, you know, we love it. We love getting involved with it, but the product starts to get watered down. Trey Mullinex gets it done there at 25 under par. Kevin Shulman runner up at 24 under par, but it's so contrasting, right? Like, we get this really weak field on a soft golf course. No one's watching it. It's a birdie shootout. And then we look at Link Skull, the Open Championship, the Scottish Open, where these guys are really getting beat up. They're tested. You've got to have all the shots in the bag. So, I mean, you look at that leaderboard for the Barbasol Championship, Marenzi. I mean, for the average you know, golf fan, sports fan, they'd be going down the list saying, who? Who are these guys? This doesn't even look like a corn-free tour event. So that's my biggest beef and frustration of the last couple of months with you know, live golf coming along. There's too much golf. We, we just need one tour, at least one event per week. We, we don't have enough high-quality um, you know, profiles to go. Not that these guys aren't good golfers. They can certainly play at the best level in the world, but no one knows them. They're not tuning in for it. And look, if they're not watching it, they're not getting tickets, they're not backing winners. But, you know, another week on the PGA Tour, we keep on rolling. Yeah, you know, and it was just it was unfortunate for the Barbasol. They were up against the Scottish Open, leading into the major. So everybody is in Europe uh, right now. Then you throw in the live, uh, the live uh, guy's absence. Um, but... How difficult is it? Like, so I always sort of get scared off uh, of a guy, Dubsy, when he wins a tournament going into a major the following week. But as you just stated, he also won last week. So, I mean, he's just dialed in right now as far as Shoffley is concerned. So it doesn't mean, you know, I mean, it doesn't mean that he's a lock to win, but he is going to be in contention. you got to believe he's going to be in contention again. Yeah, I, I think he's got the secret sauce. So too does Jordan Spieth. I mean, not every golfer can go from playing bomb and gouge on the PGA Tour to, you know, first week over there in Scotland and play Lynx Golf. And we saw it, like, you know, throughout the tournament. Cameron Trigali shoots nine under on the first day because he played in the early wave of tee times. Then we see him you come way back to the field. So that's what Lynx Golf's all about. How, how do you factor in the weather? Have you got different shots? And look, we saw it earlier this season. Scotty Scheffler got the breakthrough in. I go, okay, that's great for Scotty Scheffler. He's not getting back in the mix. He then wins the match play in Austin. We go, okay, hold on. A couple of wins in a month here. And then he goes back to back at the Masters. So for Xander Shoffley, I love what I'm seeing. How can we go against him? So to put it into context, guys, uh, Shoffley, it's his third win in his past seven starts. His set, the last seven tournaments he's entered, he's won uh, three of them. He now has seven PGA Tour wins, nine professional victories overall. Still searching that for that first major, but he got that gold medal. So he's pretty, mu- he's pretty much done everything right now. Like, he's done everything in the game. He's played well internationally um, in, in the international events. He's just missing this major. And I don't know. I sort of get the feel that this really could be the weekend for him, actually, Dubsy. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to bury a guy and jump off a guy because he actually won. I'm going to keep riding him. I, I love this Sh- Shoffley story. I think it could happen. 
Yeah, absolutely. Form's a big one for us. Um, and it's different out here, right? We know it's going to be a marathon throughout the week. And Xander Shoffley, you look at his major record, it's actually pretty impressive. I turn it back to uh, last year at the Masters, Hideki Matsuyama gets it done. Xander Shoffley had every opportunity to win that event over the weekend. He's always put himself in the mix because he's got such a consistent golf game. There's no real weakness. But if you put him on a golf course where the winning score is going to be 25 under par, I don't think he has that kind of ceiling. But next week, well, this week at the Open Championship, winning score, 9 under, 10 under par. It really suits him, this style of golf. He's not a long hitter. He's a plotter. St. Andrews, it's a short golf course. It's all about placement and strategy. Xander Shoffley won the best in the business. Now, I think we've got to keep riding the gravy train. I love form. I love the form that it comes from, you know, down the road there at the Renaissance Club, similar style of golf course, same attributes we're looking for. I like what I'm seeing from the X-Men. I'm looking. Uh, I'm looking forward to this tournament uh, coming up this week, Dubsy. Tiger Woods is this the last time he's going to play here? Do you think this is it? Look, what are we going to be back here in three, four years? I think he'll keep coming back to this one. He absolutely loves this golf course, but I think this is one of the last chances where we see Tiger with. A I guess this is that. The, yeah, I guess the best way of putting it, this is his last chance that he has to maybe win and contend, right? Of, of, exactly, exactly. Being a fact that he loves this golf course. It's a shorter track. It's more about, you know, uh, golf IQ, shot making, creativity. He knows the nuances to this one. So I think he can lean on that as a big advantage. He looks strong physically. He looks fit. It's a really easy walk for him out of the golf course. It's enjoyable. So I think he'll lean on those good vibes. I can't see him winning this one, Gabe. I can see him getting through the weekend, making a top 40. But again, if it is like a five, six under par that wins it, um, and he's there at two under par moving into the weekend. So really weird things to happen. And we see that the Open Championship, I turn it back to when Tom Watson was 59 years of age. He couldn't even bust it out of his shadow, but he just knew how to play the golf course. The weather was really hard. And not everyone can, but for Tiger, I mean, we know he's got that stinger shot around the greens. He's got great imagination. So I think this is the circumstances. This is the golf course that's going to give him his best advantage. I mean, you know, we go back to the U.S. Open, the PGA. These are always going to be longer golf courses, really thick, rough, where you need distance, you need power. They're made for the young guy. St. Andrews, the Open Championship, this is going to be his best chance to be a factor and move it through the weekend. But, yeah, there's only so many more years uh, we're going to see from the big cat. He's not going to keep playing so he's, you know, 60, 65. He's not going to go on the Champions Tour. He wants to compete with the young guns. And I think once he knows that time is up, we're not going to see too much of him, uh, you know, week to week on the tour anyway. Hey, like you said, though, Dubsy, a lot of things can happen in the real world, right, in between three and four years. So, you know, he, he'll probably be back there. But at the same point in time, like Dubsy and I said, this is his, you know, this is it. This is sort of yeah. it for, for Tiger as a Tiger we know now. He comes in at 50 to 1. I'm not looking at him here. I don't think, I, I'm not feeling some sort of uh, miracle win here. On the other side, we'll throw some of the other guys at, at Dubsy uh, here right now. And one of the guys I wanted to talk about and get into, we were talking about Xander Shoffley gunning for his first ever major. And another guy that doesn't has, he doesn't have the track record. He hasn't been around as much. He doesn't have the wins, but Will Zal. Horace. Will, uh, say what you will about Willie Z. He is a very good big tournament player, isn't he? Like, when the stakes are high, Willie Z shows up. Yeah, he is. And he is a ball striker. We look for iron play. He is number one on the PGA Tour. He missed the cut this week at the Scottish Open, but I'm not faced by that. It takes a week to get used to it. And who else did that? Colin Morikawa last year bounced back. He won the Open Championship of Ross and Georgia. Sorry, so I think Willie Z definitely one to be looking at. Late night anger management class. More with Dubsy on the other side as we break down the open. Let's do this thing. This is Sports Rage. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. 
See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. You might be right. It's simple, but something you almost never hear in politics today, with each side more concerned about scoring political points than solving problems. I'm Bill Haslam, a Republican. And I'm Phil Bredesen, a Democrat. We're former Tennessee governors, and we invite you to listen to our podcast, You Might Be Right. Join us and guests like Al Gore, Paul Ryan, Judy Woodruff, as we take on important issues facing our country. Listen and subscribe to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee. Ah, the sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. So what do I do? Just aim for the pond? No, you're not supposed to hit it into the water. But you hit it into the water. I know I hit it into the water. But why do they even have water if you're not supposed to hit it there? Because it's fun! We're having fun! Look, it went further than your ball. You think you know what you don't? You say you will what you won't. I'm late night anger management class. This is sports rage. I am Maranci, the pips, the players, the hustlers, the people of Boston, and everybody else in between. We've got former LPGA, PGA caddy, Andrew Anderson, a.k.a. Dubsy from the grid, kicking it with us on the grid. Sirius XM Channel 159 Sports Grid Radio uh, Networks, the mightier 1090 ESPN Radio, and shout out to all of our other AM radio affiliates, Sports Match, Sports Byline, Armed Forces, and everybody else in between, and everybody watching us um, on YouTube, our YouTube chat, and all that other stuff. So, uh, Dubsy, I'm fired up uh, for this. Look forward to breaking it down with you and Cam uh, later in the week. So, uh, looking at the uh, the odds here, a couple of guys I want to throw at you here. So, let's just sort of go guy by guy here. Rory, nine to one. Rory has been playing better golf, but it seems to me that nine to one is not. It's too low, isn't it? I mean, it's not even a double digit, single digits for Rory. What's your take? Look, I, I love the form he's been. I love the fact that he's playing with a chip on the shoulder. Big news coming out this week saying that maybe we all need to work together. But again, he hasn't won a major since 2014. 9-1 as your favourite? No, I can't get behind that. It's crazy, guys. 9-1. to one. Not even double digits. Too short, yeah. John Rahm, 14-1. to one. It seems like John Rahm's cooled off a little bit, Dubsy, right, from last year? He has. He's been struggling a little bit. I mean, he had that win at the Mexico Open, but no one else showed up for that one. That looked like the Barbasol Classic. But Rahm's a name where I, I like his golf game playing Lynx golf. He wasn't that great at the Scottish Open uh, this week, but I do think he's going to be a factor. But again, given the season he's had at 14-1 to 1, uh, over there at St. Andrews, it's not a great number, but I've just got an inkling that John Rahm, if it plays tough, he loves the arm wrestle. I like his ball flight. He could be there over the weekend. So we talked about Xander Shoffley. It was 25-1 to 1 last week, guys, but he just since he won the Scottish Open, he's been moved up to 14-1 to 1 right now. I do believe that he is a serious contender to win uh, this week, Dubsy. You agree? Yeah, he's, he's going to be a problem. He's, uh, he's figured out the Rubik's Cube. Uh, I think the game's in great shape, and he's going to have so much confidence with these recent wins. As you touched on three, another one there at the start of the week is a little pro-am. So his golf game is in a tremendous spot. I think he'll love his chances going down the road to play a very, very similar golf course. He keeps hitting play. That's what we're looking for. Jordan Spieth checks in right now at 16-1. to 1. Obviously a great Lynx player, but I don't know if there's enough value here at 16-1, to 1, Dubsy, with Spieth. It's, it's not a great number, and Spieth's been you know, a little all over the place, but a, a good finish there for him this morning at the Renaissance Club. I like him playing Lynx golf game. Um, I really like uh, his attitude, the shot making. He can spray it uh, all over the ballpark. We've got wider fairways, and he just knows how to get the ball in the hole. He's got that imagination. He loves playing in the wind. Jordan Spieth, you know, I'm, I'm not usually big on Jordan Spieth, Marinci, but I don't mind that. 16 to 1 is decent. So what about Scotty Scheffler? People haven't nah. talked about him quite as much right now. You're saying no here. So he won the Masters, right? It's tough to, to win another one. So he, he won the Masters this year. You're not buying into Scotty Scheffler this week, 16-1? to 1? 
I'm not. I think he's well suited to the bomb and gouge uh, style that we play out here in America. How far to the pin? 150 yards. Okay, I'll drop it on there with my high, high ball flight. Great run for him, but I just don't think this style of golf suits him well. He missed the cut there at the Scottish Open. Uh, don't like what I'm saying. Here's an interesting uh, tidbit from Kyle Porter of, uh, of CBF. So Scotty Scheffler wins the Open at St. Andrews. Uh, he'll have won five times on a PGA Tour this year, including the Masters and the Open. The only other golfers to have won f- at least five tournaments in the Masters in the Open in the same year, Ben Hogan in 53, Arnold Palmer in 62, Tom Watson in 77, and Tiger Woods in 2005. That's what he's up against, Dubsy. It's pretty pretty hard to pull off. Yeah, it's, uh, it's been quite a run that Scotty Scheffler's on, and, and that's one of my best futures tickets I'm sitting on, Marenzi. I've got him as leading money earner for the PGA Tour this season from 100 to 1 before he got any of those breakthrough wins. I love his golf game. I like him. On a softer golf course, I just think with Lynx golf, you need a bit more of a, you know, experience, a lower ball. I don't think Scotty Scheffler has it, but a great season nonetheless. Andrew Anderson, a.k.a. Dubsy, former LPGA and PGA caddy, kicking it with us. I am uh, Gabriel Morenci. Uh, you got Fitzpatrick at 18 to 1, Shane Lowry at 18 to 1, Justin Thomas 19 to 1, and then uh, Morikawa at 22 to 1, who we know can play on the links. So, what do you make of that, that, that wave of golfers uh, right there? And uh, what do you think about specifically Morikawa? Yeah, look, Fitzpatrick trying to go back-to-back at the majors. I think he'll be content with just a solid finish. I, I think getting that breakthrough win there recently will be enough for him. For Shane Lowry, I've been harping on about him all season long. But again, I don't know. He, he just doesn't get himself into that final five, final ten late in the Sunday afternoon. He is a previous winner here at the Open Championship. But at 18-1, to 1, I can't get behind that. Justin Thomas, the, the harder it plays, the more it suits him. 19-1, to 1, good buddies there with Tiger Woods. I don't mind that. Colin Morikawa, I mean, it's been an interesting year for him, Gabe. We've seen a real mixed bag. The putter has sort of left him, uh, which we've always known that from Colin Morikawa, but usually at the majors, he finds it. Defending champion, um, 22 to 1. I don't know. I I like Will Zalatoris a little more this week, Gabe. You can get him at 22 to 1. I like the ball striking from Willie Z. I think he's still hungry, and he keeps knocking on that door. As we've said, you know, on your show uh, throughout the week. It's only a matter of time. If you keep punching tickets on Willie Z, he's going to get that breakthrough win. But at a major championship, 22 to 1, you could argue that maybe that's a, t- you know, a little too short for a goal like Willie Z. Yeah, you know what's, what's interesting? I just want to throw in, too, as far as Morikawa is concerned, there hasn't been a repeat champion, Dubsy, uh, at the Open since uh, Patrick Harrington. But as far as Willie Z is concerned, I would say the same thing. I'd be like, well, you know what? It's it, a little bit to me. It's a little bit of the Victor Hovland syndrome. Before, yeah, it used to be like Victor Hovland. It was like, well, why is he fourteen to one? Why is he eight to one? Why is he priced with these top guys like this? But yeah. when I look at, I, I don't look at it the same though. Will we'll, we'll Zalatoris here? I think he belongs in this group. I think he belongs there, Dubs. You're like, I, I don't, I wouldn't put Willie Z in the same category as Scheffler or as a Rom or even, a, you know, the defend. You know, it's, you know, he's right there with Morikawa, the defending champion. But at the same point in time, Dubsy, if I'm an odds maker, I can't put this guy at forty to one. He's played too so well in these majors, and I think he is a contender. Yeah, and I do think he looks pretty comfortable late on a Sunday. I mean, he did everything he could at the U.S. Open. It just was enough. But it's not like he gets the wobbles, you know, coming down the last few holes. He's played really good. It just wasn't enough to get over that hurdle. So, look, I think, uh, you know, the greens over there when we play Lynx golf, they're usually a little bit slower. That's going to help Willie Z. Again, the key stat we look for every week on the tour is strokes gain on approach. He is number one in that department. You give him any kind of golf course, he's going to be a factor. Uh, if the wind gets up, distance control, he's got to be at the top of your list. Willie Z, I don't mind that. He's hungry. He wants to be in there. Um, he's had a couple of great opportunities. It's so, so close. One thing I noticed about golf, and we got just a couple more minutes uh, with Dubsy here, and we appreciate his time. Well, you know, one, one thing I noticed about this, you know, I brought it up even like the Canadian Open. You know, I mean, the Canadian hasn't won since the you know the fifties or whatnot. It seems like every yeah. week when we, you know, even John Rahm feels the pressure at the Spanish Open. You figure out oh, he could win easily. No, you know what I mean. Um, but specifically, the 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 as far as the Open is concerned. Pretty crazy, man. You have to go back to Paul Lowry in 1999. An English yeah. golfer has not won since Nick Faldo in 92. 
Yeah, I, I think for any of the European players, this one means a lot more for them. I mean, for, for all the US guys, the Masters, obviously, you know, number one on that list. But even for a guy like Roy McIlroy, um, I'm interested to see how he starts Thursday. His round one scoring has been terrible at the Open Championship. But again, I think we're seeing, you know, a resurgent Roy McIlroy. If you're looking for a couple of local flyers, Tommy Fleetwood, Terrell Haddon. And look, I've been uh, fading most of the live golfers because they haven't been playing a lot of golf. But I mean, a guy like Louis Oosthuizen, Dustin Johnson, Brooks Kepka, when we know it's not going to be, you know, birdie shootout, I don't mind their numbers this week. We're getting a bit more value. DJ there at 31 to it's 1. It's funny how you bring up what? Brooks, yeah. You know, Dougie, I'm just sorry that you bring up Kepka because it, it is, it goes to show, doesn't it? Because normally anytime there's a major, we're like, oh, yeah, we've got to talk about Kepka. But it really goes to show if you're on this live tour, you sort of get forgotten about in North America. Yeah, absolutely. And the, the golf they're playing, exhibition golf, they're playing once a month. You know, if they're coming out to the U.S. Open, I'm like, no, they, they just haven't got the competitive reps. But I think this one we could see this week for the Open, a real grind, an arm wrestle where you can make a bogey, make a double bogey, and you're not taking yourself out of the event. They're just a couple of names to watch. What I saw in Portland last Saturday, they looked like the game was in pretty good shape. And you know they're going to be hungry with everything going on. Um, they want to show up and show some of these boys who have been a little outspoken who's the best golfer in the world. So a guy like DJ, Louis Eustace, we know when their game's on, they can mix it with the best of the best. Dubsy we're gonna be, is going to be on our TV show to be with me and Cam on Tuesday's Game Time Decisions. We're going to break it all down once again, our final picks. But for people right now, Dubsy, we got a couple of minutes left here. Who, if, if, if you're giving us a win now, one or two guys, who, who would you be betting on right now? Let's say somebody's in Vegas right now. They're listening to the show and they're going to the window. And not to mention everybody's sitting in front of the computers as well, so they can click anywhere. But um, who are you looking at? Who are the, like, the top two guys you like this week? Yeah, look, I'll give you a bit of value. I like Willie Zalatoris, despite missing the cut at the Scottish Open. I'm big on his iron play. Uh, I think he's going to figure it out at 22 to 1. Then Cameron Smith, the Aussie. Uh, I'd love him on a tougher golf course. I think short game is going to be key, especially with these deep, you know, pot bunkers. Cameron Smith, I know he's had a couple of wins this season, but I think he's going to be a little disappointed with what we saw at the Masters. This is the last major championship of the year. The motivation is going to be there. And if a guy we touched on before, Dustin Johnson at 31 to 1. You know, he probably picked up the Fisher on more of the golf club. That's a great number. He turns up to his best game. Excellent insight as always, Dubs. You look forward to catching up in the Tuesday. Thanks for the time, my man. You too, brother. Nick Kyrgios in the red hat. Wow. <laughs> Bring it. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms. And producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. You might be right. It's simple, but something you almost never hear in politics today, with each side more concerned about scoring political points than solving problems. I'm Bill Haslam, a Republican. And I'm Phil Bredesen, a Democrat. We're former Tennessee governors, and we invite you to listen to our podcast, You Might Be Right. Join us and guests like Al Gore, Paul Ryan, Judy Woodruff, as we take on important issues facing our country. Listen and subscribe to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee. Ah, the sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. Go and ruin your appetites. 
I'm buying lunch for everybody on me. Oh. What's the occasion? I'm rich. I won my bets on the Rose Bowl, the Sugar Bowl, the Cotton Bowl, and I chunked it all on a hockey game, and I won that. All right, all right. How much did you win? 116 bucks. What a windfall. Yeah. Yeah, I still feel tingly. Late Night Anger Management Class. This is Sports Rage. I am Gable Morenci. Great stuff with Dubsy. Thanks for uh, joining us, Dubs. Talking some uh, some open golf. We don't, you know, we have Dubsy on. He's on with us uh, twice a week on the television side of things, TV and radio on Game Time Decisions. But uh, he comes on. We, we pretty much have him on every major, right? It seems. I thought, you know what? It's a major. Good time to have him on. Uh, Babano. I wanted to get Dubsy on. I was thinking about getting, I was like, you know, I should get Dubsy on like tonight or tomorrow. And then uh, when, when Babano informed me that, um, that Babano was down for the count tonight, uh, I said, all right, yeah, perfect timing for Dubsy tonight. So we appreciate, um, we appreciate Dubsy stepping up. And then, yeah, Babano's got COVID. So uh, we wish Babano the best. Hopefully uh, he's all right. Uh, in a couple of days, uh, at least, and uh, Babano should be with us on Wednesday. But he said his uh, his throat is on fire uh, right now. We got Matthias in uh, in master control. I actually wanted to get. I was going to hold Dubsy, but I was like, hey, you know what? We're up against it here. But he brought up Nick Kyrgios. So Kyrgios finished with 30 aces, the fifth most in any major since 1991. It's also the most by any player versus Novak Djokovic in a in a in a major final ever. But it wasn't enough. Novak is just that good and it really is amazing like as far as the in-game is concerned I was so caught up in a lot of other things betting this week but I don't know if you remember Matthias I told you the other night he was the the in the semi-final I said ah he'll win in four and I said four and if you'll notice Novak always seemed to lose the first set and then would come back after but hell of a run for Kyrgios a lot of people don't like him but he is a good player and you got to believe that Kyrgios does have a uh, a grand slam major winner coming up in his future Matthias Gabe, he'll have a major coming up in his future to be first place, win the title. If he gets his head under under control, at the end of the day, I do think that mental lapses take away from his full potential. I think if he could just calm down, not let people get into his head and just focus in the game in front of him, he would have more majors won. I think he would have a major one right now. You know, we saw what this guy can do when he's actually locked in and how great he can be. He has so many tools in his tool shed to just beat so many top-ranked players and when he's sleeping at the wheel he can always lose to the worst player or one of the you know one of the worst players on tour I think though that I think this is this is a good learning lesson for him to get this far and he can see that you know what I can win I am I am this close right now it's a fine line and I agree with you obviously I I completely agree as far as him reining it in a little bit but at the same point in time it is who he is Right, you got to play to your character. You got to, you know, you are who you are, and you know. But at the same point in time, just learn to channel it, and um, and and just sort of, you know, and not lose control as much. And yeah, I think he'll have some success uh, in the future. Congratulations to uh, to Novak uh, Djokovic. Uh, Novak, listen, man, say what you will about him, Novak. I didn't like the way you know, a lot of stuff happened during the pandemic uh, with Novak. I've always been a massive fan of, of Novak's game, though. You can argue he's the best player ever. I'm not saying he is. I'm not saying he is the best player ever. Uh, but you can argue he's right up there, right? He's right up there with you know his, his the longevity. Very, very impressive. Very, very impressive. So, like I said, like Novak lost the opening set. How about this, too? So, we're talking about betting, and I didn't even realize that, that he lost the, set, the opening set in all of them, Matthias. So, I caught on it was the last two, but think about that for betting purposes, how you could have just, you know, got good odds with him when he was down. So, Novak Djokovic lost the opening set in the quarterfinal, the semifinal, and the final matches. He joins John McEnroe. Uh, as the only men's major championship to win his quarterfinal, semifinal, and final matches after dropping the opening set. John McEnroe did it back in 1981. Incredibly, it just goes to show. And it's another thing, too, like even with Novak, Matias, if you'll notice, he's calmed down, right? He used to be more volatile on the court. I think the same can be said with a lot of these guys. Chapo, that he needs to learn to channel his rage a little bit more, but 
ultra impressive. That's all you need to know. But he's the first guy to do it since 81 to lose the opening set. So he lost the opening set in his quarterfinal, semifinal, and final matches. Gabe, and you know what? The, the clues were there. You know, when, when Djokovic came back, you know, from his from his hiatus with the whole COVID thing, he had a slow start. His first game back against Fokina, you know, he was like a minus 700 favorite going into that match against the Spaniard who got disqualified. Who, who, you know, you know that name because he was when I hit that it got, got disqualified uh, in that Wimbledon tournament. And, you know, Fokina beat him. But after that tournament, he was playing these, you know, Kasmanovic, these top-ranked guys, these young guns. And he was giving up the first the, uh, the first set of, the, of their of their three match game, and then he'd come back and he'd win, and he and he did it against the top players. He'd give up the first set, and then you know he'd lock down, make adjustments, and then he'd smoke them in the next two. You know, so, so the writing was there for us to to kind of see like the pattern that Djokovic has been giving, you know, for the last four months, I'd say. You know, and same with Nadal. You know, Nadal's also been a guy who's given up the first set or given yep. up the second set, and and you know we've been to these four setters, or the or you know going the full three in smaller tournaments with Nadal and Djokovic, and they're not afraid to lose a set. That's what makes them so great you know it's like oh we lost one no big deal the game's just starting it feels like Nadal is sort of kind of getting you know he's at the end here Nadal right like you see he's having a hard time getting through each every 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 one of these big time matches and stuff it's a real battle for him to survive physically Novak you know Novak still has some tennis left in him here right now and you know as, as I stated earlier I'm not saying Novak is the greatest player ever but he he's in the conversation. Like it's 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 you know I mean it's he's right there. I mean a lot of people are partial to a lot of people look at Roger Federer, right? Is it Roger Federer, is it you know Pete Sampras is is very respected amongst players, right? Like if you ask a lot of players like, I think I've heard McEnroe say he thinks that Sampras is the best. Like, you know what I mean? A lot of the, sort of the broadcasters and inside media people will tell you, yeah, you know, Pete Sampras was probably the best. But I don't know. Like, you know, to me, if you ask me who I think, to me, I would say Roger Federer. I would say Roger Federer, Matthias, the best tennis player I saw. So I'm not sitting here like, listen, I'm not... If I'm going to have a tennis debate like this, I want to have my numbers and you know I'm going to come prepared for this, but this is just off the top of my head. But if you ask me, like, who's the best? Like, in my mind, Federer is the best player I've seen play. So I'm going to say he's the best. So good. I, I can't ever pick against Nadal, I think, because of his longevity, his championship criteria. So you got Nadal. I, Nadal is the greatest ever? I think so, Gabe. And I think right now he's kind of proving it to me and to the world again. Like the guy, you know, had a torn ab and he was out there beating Taylor Fritz, you know, a top-ranked young gun who has so many tools in his toolbox to win big games. And and Fritz thought he was going to win. He was devastated that he lost. And the fact that Nadal beat him who, with a ripped stomach, you know what I mean, and a foot problem and all this and that, it didn't matter. You know, Nadal still beat him. And we're talking about Fritz who beat Nadal at Indian Hills or Indian Wells in California. You know, it's not a major, but it's, it's a big, big tournament for people that follow tennis. It's right outside of the majors, and and Fritz beat him, you know, and Nadal in the final snapped his winning streak that he had, and here comes Nadal, you know, he's not going to give up, he's not going to lose to Taylor Fritz, he could have bowed out, and he said, no, forget that, I'm going to beat this kid because he beat me last time, and I'm going to go on to the next one and probably bow out, but you know what, I'm not quitting against the guy that beat me last, you know, let's keep proving this point, the fight goes on. Now I don't know, I don't know if you know you could say. Definitively, but this is how sports works. I mean, we we judge by how many championships and numbers, right? So there's no arguing uh, that uh, Nadal's got the most. He's got 22, right? 22 Grand Slam wins. Djokovic, uh, 21 now, 21. And as I stated, I think that Nadal is sort of running out of steam here a little bit. Not that he can never win again, but I think I think that Djokovic has a little bit more left in the tank. So this is Djokovic's fourth consecutive Wimbledon title. Uh, Wimbledon title joining Roger Federer, Bjorn Borg, and Pete Sampras as the only men to win four straight Wimbledon titles in the open area. Djokovic, 21 major titles, breaks a tie with Roger Federer and now is second to Rafael Nadal at 22. 
So, like I said, these guys are all right there in this, you know, in that in that same conversation. And I guess you could say it's a little bit subjective. But uh, Matthias says Nadal. One thing with I'm going to say about Nadal, and it's not a criticism, of, but how many of his, how many of all these wins have come on clay? You know what I mean? Like I, the thing with me is Federer was good on all on on uh, on all surfaces, Matthias. Oh, absolutely, Gabe. And, and, you know, I agree with that as well. Uh, it's hard to rank, you know, who's better, Djokovic or Nadal. And you could talk about the greats like McEnroe and Sampras, and the list goes on. You know, there's so many great players. And I, I heard a great quote when it comes to tennis. That in order to be a great tennis player, a fantastic tennis player, you have to learn how to be a great loser because, you know, you're going to lose. And you're, you play so much tennis all year round that there's yeah. no such thing as being perfect. And I think the great ones, you see what they do after their losses. And like we were just talking about, it's like how will you react when you lose the first set to a player who's really damn good like Nick Kyrgios or, you know, the uh, Alexander Zverev or, you know, these young guys who think that they're literally the best tennis players in the world right now. Shapovalov, you know, Shapovalov, look at the way he plays. He never thinks he's going to lose. That's why he's raging because he always thinks he should beat everybody at any time. So, you know, for these guys to keep winning at this level where these tennis players are only getting better at a young age, you know, they're only getting faster, they're only getting stronger, and these guys keep on winning. You know, it's Djokovic and Nadal, and most likely we would have got a Djokovic versus Nadal final if Nadal doesn't bow out. You know, a lot of people thought Nadal would be curious even on a rip. Yeah. <laughs> One thing, you're right, one thing about tennis, too, it's very similar to golf in the sense you're playing against yourself a lot. You know what I mean? Yeah, there's an opponent, but I think, the, the as you just stated, the mental aspect uh, of the sport of tennis is so big. And as you say, yeah, learn to lose. And I think, you know, it's all about, you know, not so much the winning and losing, but how am I playing, right? Like, if I was a tennis player... If I lost and I played really well, I'd be happy as long as like where's my game at per se. And I you know it's 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 it is just so psychological tennis because of the failure aspect of it. And listen, these you know these kids are a lot of them are very passionate and stuff, but if you'll notice, there's a common thread, Matthias. Honestly, like if I'm you know, you look at the names here. Uh the names that I just went over. Um of the great tennis players. So, like, Bjorn Borg. Bjorn Borg was pretty calm, bro. Novak is emotional, but, you know, he'll rage. But, you know what I mean? Like, look at Pete Sampras. Very calm, right? Uh, Roger Federer. You know what I mean? Federer wasn't smashing balls and stuff and flipping out. You know, he'd get mad at himself, Matisse, but he wasn't, he wasn't raging. You know what I mean? I think it's important in tennis, like, to not rage and to channel it properly. It's just there's such a fine line. And, you know, you want to use your strengths, the passion, you know, and the fire that you have. But at the same point of time, you don't want it to kill you. And like I said, Kyrgios, I think Kyrgios is learning this. And, you know, props to him. Props to him for getting this far. Late night anger match, McCross continues. This is Sports Rage. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. You might be right. It's simple, but something you almost never hear in politics today, with each side more concerned about scoring political points than solving problems. I'm Bill Haslam, a Republican. And I'm Phil Bredesen, a Democrat. We're former Tennessee governors, and we invite you to listen to our podcast, You Might Be Right. Join us and guests like Al Gore, Paul Ryan, Judy Woodruff, as we take on important issues facing our country. Listen and subscribe to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee. Ah, the sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. 
the crack of the bat on a home run, the slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love, all at once. Starting at $40 a month, experience it all live with Sling. Sling. Three minute warning level two. This is sports by Jay Amarenzi. Nick Kyrgios. Uh, you know, one thing with Nick Kyrgios is he's always going to find a way to upset people. And you heard Dubsy talk about the red hat on the way out. Um, that we didn't bring this up actually. See, so yeah, Kyrgios uh, breaks the Wimbledon dress code. Um, they, they're, they're all into the all-white type stuff, right? It's the all-white club, right? The all-white uh, defiant Nick Kyrgios breaks Wimbledon's uh, strict dress code again by wearing a red cap to meet Kate Middleton before calling um, uh, Novak Djokovic a god. So he meets, uh, he meets, uh, was is she a princess? Princess Kate, I guess? Uh, whatever, she's Kate Middleton, and he busts out the red hat. Um... I don't know. Like, why Why does he do this stuff? Like, do you know what I mean? Like, just for the sake of it? I, I, that's my whole thing. Like, he just seems to like upsetting people for, like, the entertainment perspective of it, Matthias. Do you know what I mean? He's like, well, you know what? I don't really care about wearing the hat, but I'm just going to wear a red hat just to sort of upset them. Like, why? Like, why? Like, you know what I mean? Like, you don't always have to be a jerk, bro, in life. You know what I'm saying? I, I just don't understand. Like, you know what I mean? If, you, if you've had a nice little run, not not to mention the stuff that happened earlier in the tournament here, you know, people have sort of forgotten about that. Like, to me, I don't know. It just seems like I think he, you know, it's, you know, he's just a jerk, I guess is the best way of putting it. Like I said, normally I like brash guys, bro, but I just think this guy, he's just he does it. It seems forced to me, actually. That's the best way of putting it. It's not like he always wears a red hat. You know what I mean? Like, if he always wore red, he'd be like, listen, this is my thing, and I'm not changing. It's like, no. There's all kinds of pictures of you with white hats. But no, you just got to be a jerk. He likes the attention. Let's just call it up what it is. Bring it. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms. And... Producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Is America's primary system working? Is the Electoral College still the best process for electing a president? Could a third-party candidate ever be successful? In a new season of You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen gather the country's top experts to explore these issues and more as we approach the 2024 presidential election. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available now wherever you get your podcasts.